This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And today I've got a conversation for you that I've wanted to have for years, literally years. I talked to Charlie Brooker. He is the creator of Black Mirror, the tremendous series you can watch on Netflix, as you know. I don't think we need to say much more about Black Mirror. Like we talk about in our conversation, Black Mirror is synonymous with the way we talk about tech and media, or at least some kinds of tech and media. Like I told Charlie when I was writing about the Apple Vision Pro reveal, I referenced Black Mirror because that's what we think about when we see crazy dystopian tech that we're supposed to... I don't know what we're supposed to do with it. Anyway, well, you'll hear about it in the, in the discussion. I guess the only other thing I'd say here is that sometimes when you really admire someone's work, you worry that when you meet them or talk with them, you can be underwhelmed. That was not the case here. So here's me and Charlie Brooker. I'm talking with Charlie Brooker, the creator of Black Mirror. It is one of the all-time great shows. I'm delighted to talk to him. Welcome, Charlie. Hello. Nice to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, the newest season of Black Mirror debuted a couple months ago. I'm sure you are exhausted uh, yep. talking about it, but but I want to use it as a as a jumping off point for uh, for our discussion. You know, if you've watched any of the new season of Black Mirror, you realize that it's different from other seasons. It's many of the episodes are less explicitly about technology and its its perils or promise. Is that because you're sick of talking about tech? No, I think I mean to be honest. So so the the. The season, the order of episodes that this season six has, appears on Netflix is the reverse order to the order they were written in. Um, and and it started out, to be to be frank, it started out, I was doing, a, I was almost doing a different season. I wanted to take a bit of a break from doing stuff about just technology because I kind of felt like I was boxing myself in a little. Um, and so I, it was a there was a deliberate move to set some episodes in the past and do some sort of horror stories and to to put out a season called Red Mirror and do mm -hmm. it that way like do a sort of sister reboot in a way. Then, as is always the case, I think when you're doing any kind of creative endeavor, as soon as you like cut yourself off from doing something, you're then like slightly pining to do it immediately. So actually. <laughs> I sort of reverted back to Black Mirror, and you can see that throughout. If you if you if you, show, if you look at the episodes in reverse order, they get steadily mm -hmm. more and more Black Mirror as they go. So so by the time Joan is awful, it's the first episode in order, but the last one to be made. There's going to be a that, test on this afterwards. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, this is very. I, I made this. I made this <laughs> unnecessarily convoluted. That was the most Black Mirror of them all. But it, I think what it was was at the time when I started doing that that particular season, I was aware that, I was aware, obviously, that Black Mirror had become kind of synonymous for sort of tech dystopia and yeah. and things of that nature. And I was getting people saying to me, oh, I bet you're going to do what? Are you going to do an episode about NFTs and, you know, the blockchain and stuff like that? And I just think, oh, that's so depressing because that was never what the what the purpose of the show was way back when, when it first started. The idea was not to be 
let's satirize the tech pages. You know, it was it was much more. I want to do the show that's unlike any other show on television, and I mm-hmm. want to do something that speaks about now or satirizes the media and the culture and our society, but is not necessarily. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't thinking, but it's all about technology. So I was slightly, and I was aware that I'd, I I felt like I've, I'd trod familiar territory quite a few times in Black Mirror. So I wanted to really shake things up. Also, back then, that was in the midst of the pandemic, in the grip of the pandemic, and really, it kind of felt at the time like a lot of the tech was plateauing a bit. Hence, people saying to me, "Are you going to do an episode mm-hmm. about NFTs?" There wasn't there wasn't that much. It didn't feel like there was that much disruption going on. So much as we people were stretching st- for something new, but there wasn't desperate for anything new. We'd have loved it, but we were sort of the newest thing was using Zoom. Like everything happening on Zoom was basically mm-hmm. it, and so it was also so it kind of felt like things had slightly plateaued at the time. Of course, then as you start emerging from it, now we're at a point like where everyone's talking about AI. Everyone's talking about Elon Musk. Everyone's talking about there's all of a lot of those things are are now heating up again so i kind of feel like i got that out of my system if you see if you see what i mean what it meant was i put several several classic black mirror ideas on the back back burner a little how do you feel about the fact that people use black mirror as shorthand for tech dystopia i was looking i was like i I do that all the time i did it in print in june when when apple rolled out its apple vision pro goggles and it had that video of the mom wearing the headset and her daughter's trying to talk to her and it seems terrible but apple thinks this is great what do you think of the idea that that i see that and go that's black mirror and everyone Mm. else lots of other people do as well I mean, I, I kind of love it, actually. Like I say, when as soon as I sort of restricted myself from doing something, I was pining for it and came back to it. And so doing an episode like Joan is Awful, which is like it's, it's like a sort of AI-generated show is at the heart of that, that yields so deliciously Black Mirror to me. I kind of love that stuff. I mean, I say I love it. I'm delighted, obviously, that it's become shorthand because on, on, on the one hand, that's kind of free publicity for the show, frankly. Mm-hmm. But equally, it's it's often depressing on a human level that that's the stuff we're looking at and confronted by a lot of the time. And it's interesting because it's not just, it's not always people, ju- and this was a thing I was kind of leaning into, I guess, this season. It's not always about technology. When people say that, sometimes they're talking about just a, I don't know if I can use, I'm not, I will use clean language. No, no, curse it up. Oh, okay. Uh, for a, show for a, adults. Fucked up, a fucked up situation. Basically, people will often sort of use it for shorthand for a fucked up situation. If you look at our first ever episode with the Prime Minister and the pig, that's the very mm-hmm. definition of a sort of fucked up situation. And so Black Mirror simultaneously, in to me, seems to stand in for that, <laughs> that kind of situation. And also, yes, as you say, if Apple launched their vision stupid whatever they are five hundred thousand dollar flipping icon goggles what do you make of the fact that you've been making this show for for more than a decade Mm -hmm. uh, really and it's very popular so you know clearly people in silicon valley have seen it and you're saying this vision of the future that i have is is bad this is this is not good and then they come out and say we think this is great we're going to productize this whether it's vr goggles or ai generated people or or whatever it is and you've been saying no this is explicitly bad and they go this is great we're going to sell it what do, what do you make of that disconnect i would say so one thing i would say there is that 
I don't know that. Well, okay, sometimes clearly in the show, I'm highlighting something and saying this is bad. Usually, however, the technology isn't actually the villain. We've done an episode, definitely. We did an episode with like autonomous robot killer dogs mm-hmm. going around killing people. That's nah, positive. Yeah. Not really a positive read on that, but they were still presumably created by a human in that story. We just don't say. Most of the time, when an episode is what I would class as classically Black Mirror, you've got something that's actually quite a miraculous that you can immediately see as a viewer you can see the desirability of it. You can see why it would be useful. You can see why it would be transformative and, and, and in many ways, extremely positive. And it's usually the human beings, the messy human beings who are using this stuff in the story who manage to balls things up. Mm-hmm. And I guess that that reflects how I feel about a lot of things because in real life, I'm pretty geeky and techy. I used to be a video games journalist way back yonder in the 90s. And I... I kind of love all this stuff. I love technology. I love computers. And, but I'm also a natural warrior. I'm, I'm somebody who catastrophizes at the drop of a hat. It may come as no surprise to anyone who's watched the show to realize that. And so I'm often worried about, you know, the power we suddenly, at some new development or gizmo will give us the power and the responsibility that comes with that and how easy it is to misuse that or just to unintended consequences or obvious clumsy consequences. And we see that time and time again with things that usually all technologies give with give with one hand and, and I was going to say take away, sort of slap us around the back of the head with the mm-hmm. other. But that's been the case with every... I mean, the printing press. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's been the case with everything. It's like, you, I wouldn't want to put this stuff... I wouldn't want to delete this stuff from existence necessarily. We were talking before we started taping about, you know, you started the show. This show started airing in the UK in 2011. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm remembering, I'm thinking a lot about what that was like back then, how we viewed tech back then. Yeah. And generally, especially in the tech press, but broadly, you know, we were excited about mm. consumer technology. There was an iPhone or Facebook or Twitter. There were serious people saying that social media could bring democracy to the Middle East, yes. et cetera. Enormously optimistic about mm. it. Um, things have swung back dramatically in the opposite direction. Do you think that was always inevitable that we would go from tech is great to tech brings on catastrophe? Or, or do you think there was another way to have gone about this? I mean, whether it was inevitable that we that that we went from it's certainly that that we were clearly looking at it through extremely rose tinted goggles at the at the time and and you're absolutely right i remember that was that was the thing in a way i was tapping into in my head in some it's certainly in, in some of those early episodes it launched against the the backdrop for me i would watch adverts there would be adverts for like most apple adverts looked to mm-hmm. me like have you seen Soylent Green. Of course. So, you know, there's a scene, is it, who is it? Is it Ernest Borgnine? Who's the, who plays the old guy? Is it, or is it Burgess Meredith? I, I think it's Ernest Borgnine plays the old guy. In, all I remember is Charlton Heston at the end. Frankly. Right. Well, of course. Well, we all remember the punchline, but there's a bit where somebody is euthanized. An, an old guy is euthanized and he's, ta- he's, he's taken into a sort of euthanasia clinic and shown... The last thing he's shown is images of the natural world, which has now been destroyed. And it sort of moves him to tears. And then he's like killed and turned into food, basically. Um, which, but, someone in, which someone in Silicon Valley thought would be a good brand. Right. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> which is amazing. Yes. So, 
I mean, well, there you go. I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate sort of example. That, but that the imagery there, the sort of pleasant imagery that this guy was shown against this extremely dystopian black backdrop. That was the sense I was always getting from sort of Apple ads at the time. Mm -hmm. Was they just seemed to be showing everybody having fun and dancing and smiling and and you just think, well, hang on a minute, things usually aren't this positive and if we suddenly have extremely powerful tools at our disposal we will do incredible things we will also make incredible fuck-ups so that seemed to me a well-founded concern i had that i felt wasn't reflected at the time wasn't being reflected necessarily in, in and i remember the the arab spring i was doing a my, my background in the uk is in comedy and stuff like mm -hmm. that so i was doing i was i was i was doing stuff for a topical comedy show at the time at the and I remember the, the positivity around the Arab Spring and people feeling that Twitter was bringing, exactly as you say, democracy to the Middle East. And now that all seems extremely naive. I think it was always inevitable that we were going to cock things up a bit. You know, we all have also, I wouldn't want to be just completely cynical. I do always, the analogy I always use is that, especially something like social media or a lot of this stuff, it's like we've suddenly grown an extra limb. You know, which is amazing because it means you could mm -hmm. you could juggle and scroll through your iPhone at the same time. But it also means that we're not really sure how to control it yet, and we're clumsy. You know, we're not knocking things over all the time. We're still grappling with sort of butterfly effect consequences of of this stuff all the time. So the problem is, it probably wasn't inevitable, but I think it was a lot of it was probably hard to foresee. Do you know what I mean? Without necessarily putting things completely back in the box and being a total Luddite. I, I do get frustrated sometimes when sometimes people sometimes characterise the show as, you know, the tech is bad show mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I think sometimes I react to that probably too much. There's probably something I was doing this season. There was a, there was a deliberate sort of like, I'm not going to do that for a while. I, uh, but I don't know. I'm trying to think what we could have, what could we have done between 2011 and now? to mitigate against things well there's all i guess we could have all been a bit more suspicious we should have all been more paranoid i don't know how we could have i mean you you know so much of of the backlash was so directly tied to donald trump's election yeah. and i believe our desire to pin that on something and someone other than ourselves and our and, right. and our citizens who said, I want to vote for Donald Trump. So lots of us wanted to blame Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook. Mm -hmm. Some of us wanted to blame Fox News. And they yeah, all have some Brexit, responsibility. Yeah. With Brexit here, there was a there was a definite desire to pin it on Cambridge Analytica and pin it on that this is a sort of psyops campaign that people have somehow been magically persuaded by machines to think like this. But I kind of I mean, it's interesting with things like Brexit. Well, actually, Brexit was something I didn't see coming. I just didn't, I didn't see that coming. Donald Trump, I felt like I saw that coming. Like, it seemed mm -hmm. obvious to me really early on that he was going to win. Like, I was, there was something clear as day to me. I, I, I don't, I, I just thought, well, of course he will. He's like, of course he will. He's, he's a celebrity who's interesting and is pissing people off and is, 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 of course, there's a huge number of people are going to vote for him. Yeah, in retrospect, it seems like an obvious culmination in things. I, I know you get this question all the time, but when you have Donald Trumps in the world, when you have Elon Musk's in the world, these crazy mm. outsized um, people who mm. are characters, you know, 
what does that do for you as a, as a creator? Do you, do you think, ah, I, I can't touch this stuff. There's literally nothing else you could say. These things are beyond parody or do you go, this is, this is something I really want to mine or none of the above. I don't know. I mean, so it's interesting because with say Trump and there's a, there's a lot of parallels between Trump and Boris Johnson here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just messed with my head, Boris Johnson, by buying a giant mansion in this tiny village that I grew up in, by the way. Now he's a notable resident on the Wikipedia page. It's really messing with me. Um, but um, we kind of covered that there was something that I didn't I didn't feel I got the script right. There's an episode of Black Mirror called The Waldo Moment in, yes. in 2013 where I was trying to get at something that was very much I was looking at Boris Johnson, who was mayor of London and was... And had, and and was a TV personality. Like he'd 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 been on comedy satirical. He'd been a guest on comedy shows and things like this. And he was widely regarded as a sort of bumbling, like Paddington Bear, like a sort of prototype Paddington that's mm-hmm. that's posh and slept outdoors in a field for a couple of days. But I was slightly fascinated by the fact that he seemed bulletproof in terms of there was like the fact that he fucked up. And was bumbling and, and kept was built into the it. character. Was built into the character and was a definite plus. And that he appealed to people on the basis of him being a sort of disruptive personality because there was a widespread widespread sense that all politicians were these bland cookie cutter. I guess in in the UK were kind of being echoing Blair, basically. Mm-hmm. But they all seemed a bit like. Um. They could have been from The Sims or something. Do you know what I mean? They yes. all seemed like yeah. like a bland neighbour in a bad drama. Yeah, I think of them in, in the US as as, peop, as as news as news anchors, news presenters. You would call them there. Yeah, and kind of and and and, and daytime news present like like doing a sort of mm-hmm. like coffee morning type show. Mm-hmm. So he was so clearly a different flavour. He, he he was unique, and so and 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 and, and there was something about the thought that that a lot of people would find that attractive. And it was obvious why they would find that attractive because other politicians they had weren't really speaking to them and didn't appear to be representing them. And that there was something very, I found very frightening about that situation that hopefully we covered in that episode. And I think, like I say, at the time, I felt like I didn't get the script right. I didn't get the stakes in the story right. And it, I could have written it a lot better. I, that actually should have been a mini series, weirdly, that particular episode, I think. But, um. But but it looked more prescient come 2016, come Trump getting elected or mm-hmm. Boris getting elected. It looked, it suddenly seemed quite prescient. And I think now it is difficult because in a way, the new cliche is for the sort of like a tech bro boss to be an Elon Musk type person who, you know, probably rides into the office on a little e-scooter and, sort of, you know, with tattoos on his face and pissing in the corner and like crazy. Yeah, Elon Musk posted a photo of himself with a T-shirt yesterday. That And the joke is, if uh, the T-shirt, the way he's got his, his, his jacket over it, it says, I love anal. Right. That's, that's the joke. He put that up. And he's, you know, one of the richest men in the world. I mean, maybe Twitter, he does. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't judge that. I just, the idea that, like, it seems beyond, like, he's, and he, he wants to be funny, right? But he's, so he's he beyond. He really parody. wants to be funny. That's the, Boris Johnson held his own, actually, on sort of comedy, like, it was a, it was a, in, on comedy panel shows, people 
clearly warm to him because they thought he was a he came across as a bumbling guy. Trump is sort of, I guess, inadvertently funny, but mm-hmm. but also more terrifying. Elon Musk is trying very hard to be funny a lot of the time, isn't he? As far as I can tell, as a professional just, funny person, when you see that, what, what's your reaction? Um, it's just not very good. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like. It's a bit Rupert Pupkin, isn't it? In one respect. It's weird, isn't it? Because if he was genuinely very funny, I'm just querying myself here. If he was genuinely very funny, would I would I like him? There's something I think, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I always used to say, I don't think right-wingers are funny, except for, um, oh no, it's not true that right-wingers aren't funny. Have you ever seen that picture of Mussolini hanging from the lamppost? Uh that's fucking hilarious, but um, uh, anyway, Trump I, Trump actually has 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 some some. He's not a comedian, but he's got he's got some of that performer in him. He's definitely. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a consummate performer. Yeah, he's a consummate performer. Yeah. Hmm. Do you get feedback from from Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or <laughs> Tim Cook or their no. underlings? Do they reach out to you with fan mail? Do they reach out to you say, "Hey, don't 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 make fun of me"? No, I haven't heard from any of these people actually that I'm a aware of i occasionally get asked to do like events or something like that mm-hmm. i'm trying to think but no no i've not not no we'll be right back with more charlie brooker but first a word from a sponsor this episode is brought to you by state farm you've heard it before like a good neighbor state farm is there but it's more than just a tagline because state farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You mentioned AI at the beginning of this conversation. So in less than space of a year, we went from look at this interesting AI art, isn't that cool or trippy, mm. to oh, AI could make a script with ChatGPT, to now mm. maybe AI is going to make a whole movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. How, how do as a, as someone who makes things, how do you how do you think about AI as a tool and or as a threat? I think it's kind of both. So I do see that. I mean, it's depressing. The thing that actually weirdly that depresses me almost more than anything else is like, and I, like, uh, we got I've got two kids, and one of them's like he's nine years old, and he's getting into drawing, and he's pretty, he's good, he's he's really good, especially for his age. He's like I used to be a cartoonist; that was my first job. He's way better than I was as an adult, and um, and you know he's proudly drawing, doodling away, and I was looking at this, thinking you know, and encouraging him, going, well done. And then I thought the the next thought that arrived was, yeah, but I mean, being an illustrator, that's no career path these days, is it? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be. And then our oldest, our eldest is really into coding, really into that. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, yeah, but are you learning? Is this like learning, you know, mathematics? And now the calculators come along and rendered that like, we're just going to, a machine's just going to do the icky bits of coding for you. I so I, I do very much worry about, what the impact on employment generally is is going to be and then when i look at like and i i toyed around with all those things like mid journey and stuff like that like anyone else and it it's mm-hmm. it's telling isn't it that what those things the immediate images that go viral with that sort of thing and the things that are appealing are immediately like um 
kind of mashups, aren't they? They're all combinations yeah. of things. So I I would type in like you know show me, uh, you know I don't know whatever Jack the Ripper in the Great British Bake Off tent or something like that. Uh, you know it, 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 show me Boris Johnson, you know shaking hands with Paddington Bear on the set of Seinfeld or something. He could do, but it, it, because it's parasitically hoovering up. Mm-hmm. Stuff that we humans have made, or or created, or or are, and so quite quickly, it's interesting with the AI art. I feel like there's, there was quite quickly something generic about it, Gen- yeah. like like either it was like riffs on existing IP, effectively, or it was um, fairly somehow sort of too slick, like an auto tuned vocal. In right, way. you can sort of yeah, you can see it. Yeah, you can see the auto tune, and it's impressive. But it's weird. that said, and then things like ChatGPT, I can see, I can totally see the value in using it as a sort of hyper-powered Google, using it as a kind of oh, quick uh, list ten jobs that somebody in Victorian England might have done. Do you know what I mean? Something <laughs> like that. I can imagine that as a writing tool, and and I can imagine it being a little. Um, I can well. I can imagine people using it. The, the scary thing is, I can imagine people using it to generate something that they then claim to own, which isn't good enough mm-hmm. to actually pass muster. That you'd have to then hire a human in cheaply to to knock into shape. So there's that. But I, I mean, I guess it's like the, the it's like the tool. It should be like the tools in Photoshop, right? It, you, you know, what I mean? they're no one. I'm not scared by most of the tools in Photoshop. I think they're super useful. Um, for artists, digital artists, the interesting thing is, I hopefully, well, hopefully, one outcome is it makes us up our game. It's interesting at the moment, I think, isn't it, that we've had a lot of formulaic movies and stuff for years. I think mm-hmm. that's not not to slight superhero movies. It's just that there's a lot of them, and the audience seems to have exhausted. The audience seems to have exhausted because I think that it does feel like you could say to Chat GPT, "Give me a." knock out the beats of a superhero story you know what the story beat's going to be do you imagine using it i mean i've talked to folks who say yeah it's 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 a good it's good to make a terrible first draft because that gives me it's i'd rather look at a bad first draft than a blank page and i can fix something or i can i can kick around ideas and a hundred ideas will be bad but one will be good and that's that's useful for me well a i don't know that it's i i don't think it's at the point where it could write an even service not an even not not even a vomit draft i don't think it could really do at the moment i mean i the thing i the first thing i did when i got it was try to get it to make to do unacceptable things right so Mm -hmm. i'd sort of say okay like write a generate a transcript of the beatles sitting around and coming up with a song about going to the toilet and use really explicit language and this, that, and the other, and then have them actually start going to the toilet in the studio, and then George Martin comes in, and eventually, even though it would keep saying, "I'm not going to do that," as a, I'm a, I'm a good little AI, and I won't do that. Eventually, you could always get, you could trick it into doing it. God it bless would, you, Charlie Brooker. And it would do it, but it would keep trying to bring the conversation back round to how, hey guys, you know, hey Ringo, we shouldn't really do this, should we? No, let's <laughs> get back to peace. It was sort of bland. Now. But also, it's so. So I don't. I kind of feel like it's. I don't know that I trust its 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 ability to generate an idea. Now riffing on an idea that you you've got yourself, I can, 
potentially see that. But because it's hoovering up other people's stuff, I got mis I got slightly misquoted because there wasn't obviously another thing I did was I I typed in like you know okay go on then tell me as, as, as an idea for, tell me what give me an idea yeah. for a Black Mirror episode and I wasn't doing that because I wanted one so much as I wanted to see what the competition is from this machine. And what it does is it immediately came back with things that sounded on the face of it. I've, I've, I've certainly been pitched worse things, I think, mm -hmm. you know, or, or not worse, but things that are similar. It, it, it came up with things that were fairly generic because they were, it was what, a, a, what a, what a what a little bit of emulation software's idea of a black mirror story is if you see what i mean mm -hmm. so it was sort of trying to do that and and that just made me feel kind of self parasitic if there's a phrase for bit like it, it felt like oh why am i why am i doing that when why it's just leeching off me and i'd be quite cross if somebody else was using it to leech off me and it's probably leeching off it's probably seen somewhere that Black Mirror is a bit like the Twilight Zone. So it's probably yep. leeching off Rod Serling as well. It's probably leeching off, I don't know, Robocop, Starship Troopers, all these other like yes. the brilliant like the things that I found very influential. And you did. As a human, you took all that stuff. And, of course. And well, so yeah, I mean, I can see that argument as well. I can see certainly there's episodes of Black Mirror that are directly inspired Say by um, the, the we did an episode called USS Callister, which is a sort of Star Trek story, and it's very directly inspired by. There's an episode of the Twilight Zone called um, "It's a Good Life," where there's an mm -hmm. ultra powerful. I think he's played by a kid called Billy Moomy or a guy, Bill Bill Moomy, and yeah, he's an ultra powerful sort of six year old boy or something like that who can. It's terrifying. It's one of the most and it still holds episodes. up today as absolutely yeah. chilling and terrifying. And at the point, I had the idea of like, oh, well, what if you got a, you know, you got a, I, I was trying to think of weirdly a very different story idea to do with people in a workplace put into, originally I wanted them put into a musical, like a virtual musical, like Grease the musical, and uh -huh. they wouldn't know what their roles were, if you see what I mean. So I might be Sandy and you might be Danny. <laughs> we wouldn't know, the real us wouldn't know. And we have to sort of, it was a team building exercise. We have to do. Anyway, I was sort of toying around with that idea. And then I thought, God, you could do so many powerful things. And as soon as I thought, well, well, what if this is a story about a tyrant? I remember that Twilight Zone episode in which he's like ultra. So now that is an example of me, I guess, parasitically hoovering up something that Rod Serling wrote, putting it through my own little AI in my brain, mm -hmm. my own I guess you just call it I, don't you? Not AI. There's nothing artificial about it. Just my I. And um, you created something wholly new. It's one of the, I watched it again last night. It's one of the one of your best episodes. Oh, thank you. The most a, acclaimed episode. I, 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 I think it's it. a very. I think it's, I'm very proud of that episode. But I do think that's. Hopefully, that's a different process because a I'm saying, well, that's I owe Rod Serling a debt there for you know like the you know there was a heavy influence, I suppose. It fe this feels like this is doing it on an industrial scale, right? And yeah. and and so for someone like you, you recoil at that. Mm. As you know, right now there's a debate uh, into the, the actor and writer strike mm -hmm. about you know how much AI are we going to allow into our entertainment? 
Yeah. I'm a little confused as to whether this is a real fear or a negotiating point. But do you think that that's a real fear imagine, on, for, for writers and actors that 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 studios, et cetera, would really want to use AI to replace much of what they do? I think it's a real fear. The difficult thing is, I think, like, like I say, I think, I think the fear with writing is that it would be used. You, you could use it. A studio could use it to generate vomit drafts of things, and then hire in human writers to depressingly rewrite it, mm-hmm. you know, and make it human, humanize it, and that's a very depressing state of affairs. Um, the thought of that, because if that's used to basically that's simultaneously leeching off existing work by other writers that it's hoovered up and is trying to. But let me just take devil's advocate for a second, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's very standard in your business to have someone write a draft and then fire that person and then bring in multiple people many multiple times to come and and make that draft better or oftentimes worse. And it it goes and, you know, there's uh, a very cynical. Well, I don't know. You see, because I've grown up in rosy old Britain, haven't I, where it's like quite different here, like the, 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 the ruthless sort of Hollywood side of writing looks terrifying to me. <laughs> I've had a very lucky existence as a writer. I've been exceptionally fortunate throughout my career that I was always allowed, I, I didn't, I came up through a weird route, basically. So I haven't, I haven't been there, if you sort of mean, like, like through, through that machine. So maybe I do have a, Maybe I've got too rosy tinted a view, but I, but uh, but um, I, I kind of feel like there's a difference here, isn't there? In in hoovering at least, like if an ex- if a human executive has an idea for something that they want to hire someone to do, that seems fair enough to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, they've thought of it using their own brain, not they haven't sort of tasked a machine with going, let's see what other humans have done and just automatically auto, like churn out a list of a thousand things that may or may not be actionably similar to that and then hire a human in cheaply to knock it into shape. It does that. It does, it That still feels like a real cheapening of that process. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem good. It also you're, seems you're, somewhat you, you inevitable. You seem to think it's great. You seem to say be saying that's wonderful, and you can't wait <laughs> well, for this they, to happen. They, they haven't made a good AI podcast yet. No, but they will. I mean, you'd think. That. I mean, again, I mean, surely the first line of jobs that could get replaced is a sort of exec a, a role of an executive who's assessing these things would probably mm-hmm. be one of the first. But again, even I mean. Would people want to read it, listen to it, hear it, watch it? I don't, that's a that's a thing I don't really. Yeah. That I I still doubt. I still doubt. I can see. I can see the value, and there's all sorts of things. There's an eerie. I saw that that thing that went viral the other week, which was an eerie sort of AI generated. So somebody said, oh, "I've done. I've generated a trailer for Heidi, the movie." I don't know if you saw this. It was like nightmare. Like David Lynch. No. Sort of. It was like. Yeah. It really made you feel. Like your brain was being sick on itself on the inside, looking at this thing. It was nightmarish imagery, like hilariously creepy. And but a human has clearly been nudging. So there's there's uses for yes. it. I think if I was an actor, I would genuinely be worried about. Well, look, what I'd be worried about, I guess, is if I was a young up and coming actor. What if I find myself perpetually in competition with like Tom Hanks? Or you know mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe. What happened? Like like what? What if you get a? But that pres- that presumes that a 
I suppose that for me to think that that presumes that we're going to be interested in watching a CGI. We'd get invested in the in a CGI generated Harrison Ford more than we would a young whoever the next Harrison Ford is going to be. So and I don't know that we would. So to bring this all around, the first episode of this season is yep. Jonah's Awful, and it's a Netflix service called yep. Streamberry. Um, we're going to do this exact thing. <laughs> yep. um, what what did Ted Sarandos have to say? I, I don't know what Ted Sarandos really? specifically he didn't, he didn't had to out? say. I mean, he must have seen it. He must have seen it. Yeah. So when I when I wrote that, it was it's interesting because it happened slightly by degrees. And that when I wrote it, the, the first script just said that Joan is watching a a Netflix slash Disney Plus style streaming service is how it was described. Just a sort of generic streaming platform. Mm -hmm. Came up with the name Streamberry, and then it, it was when we came to like when we were doing the graphics for the show. So obviously we had, we had a really talented graphics team. They'd say, well, what do you want this to look like? And you realize you're asking them, it's a bit like, you know, when you're watching a drama and somebody's using Google, but it's not Google, you know, yes. it's a, like a clearable version of Google. And they've like, it's always best when they just. Or the phone number is 555. Exactly. That is like, it, it slightly breaks your, or, 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 you're, or they're having to sort of make it look a bit shit. So it doesn't look like the actual. Because actually, the front ends of most of these things are incredibly professionally done and look wonderful, and like, mm -hmm. and they're instantly recognisable. So anyway, we just thought, well, why reinvent the wheel? Why don't we just see, rather than having to make this bright orange or something so it doesn't look like any existing service, why don't we just ask Netflix if we can make it look like this? So we did, and they said yes. And they were like, okay. And then later on, we were like, well, actually, well, if you're doing that, I mean, what happens when she presses play with the sort of like, ribbons type animation what would it do it would if it looks that much like netflix it would go to them right mm -hmm. so can we use that so we asked them if we could use that and they said yes again i don't quite know how this exactly went up and down the chain and whether that's like asking somebody whose job is just to look at clearance and go well yeah that's clearable because we're it's all on netflix file or whether there was a there was there didn't seem to be any alarm or panic or anything like that about it it's interesting because then when you get to the episode when you're watching it the final thing it was sort of in a way when people said well my god he's really having a pop at netflix here do you think oh it does look like that doesn't it <laughs> you know what I mean? but, but really it was sort of like it was i mean there were game for me doing that and it was it was sort of i mean again maybe because it's a slightly cartoony yeah yeah it can't be that cutting if they allow it yeah, I or mean, if, that's if, it's, a, if, if if you're watching it on Netflix, then it it, it can't be that. That's that, that, it uh, wouldn't be that dangerous because like, well, that's the, and that's the message of like season one, episode two, where somebody rank, railing against the system gets commoditized, commoditized. Yeah, it becomes part of the sort of becomes another entertainment slot on the system. Um, yeah, there's, that's depressing, isn't it? Um, but again, it was sort of, but but I think. Also, timing-wise, you see, when when writing that episode, it felt a bit more fanciful, probably. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like, oh, this is something we might be looking at in the next three years, necessarily, at the time. Because we, we, we wrapped that episode in, like, October uh, 2022. And then November, I think, was when ChatGPT gets launched. Yes. And that's the point at which <laughs> every writer on Earth had a moment of, like, someone just walked over my grave. You know, it's sort of like, um, and you can, 
it just it it sub. I think everyone woke up and went, you know, hang on a minute, are we all replaceable here? Charlie Brooker, you are not replaceable. You say that it's interesting because there's lots of ideas I'm thinking about. We did an episode once before. We did an episode called "Be Right Back" about um, it's Haley Atwell and Donald Gleason. That's in season two, and um, Haley plays a woman who's called Martha, whose husband, played by Donald, uh, he dies, and she discovers after he's dead that she's pregnant and she really misses him. She wishes she could talk to him. She pays for this service that has gone through all his his online footprint and has generated a sort of AI she can talk to that's based on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she he becomes a sort of robotic version of himself that she's... And it's like a heartbreaking story. It's one of my favourite episodes. I think an underrated episode. <laughs> but um, it's a heartbreaking story. I realise now, missed a couple of tricks. One, I slightly am sad that we cut out. There was originally a scene in the script where when it's first talking to her, it starts asking for money. Like she has to upgrade it. It's basically it starts advertising or something like that until she pays for the full fat version of it, basically, um, which was wonderfully cynical and will happen, definitely. And then also the other problem in a way was that he was he was based on his... He was based on his social media output and he was bland. This is the problem she has is he turns up and he's bland mm-hmm. and he's not as now, actually now, if you were doing that, if, if, if it was if somebody based on people's social media personalities, it would either be like a game show host version of them has just walked in or a very angry and mm-hmm. demonstrative version of them or an ins- like, yeah, it would either be guy smiley star of Something daytime that television. provokes engagement. Yeah. Yes, it would be it would be some some flipping awful exaggeration of some aspect of them would show up. I can't remember why I went there as soon as she said you're not replaceable. That's very kind of you. Um I, I well I enjoyed that episode as well. Mm. And and uh again I was watching uh, the USS Scalister last night and we were talking about uh how we would have watched the other one if we had more time as well. I wanted to get you off the hook here because we could keep talking for a couple more hours, but mm-hmm. I promised your people that I would not do that to you. Oh, so I wanted to say, I've, I, like I said, I've been looking forward to this conversation for years. I'm delighted we got to do it. Oh, and thank I you. to do it again. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thanks again to Charlie Brooker. Pretty great. Jelani Carter and Julie Myers produced the show. They're great. Our sponsors bring you the show for free. Great sponsors. You guys are great because you listen to the show. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week.